0: Pedro Walpole, you're an Irish Jesuit, an environmental scientist working in the Philippines, and you're back in Ireland just for a couple of days, and I'm lucky to have the opportunity to speak with you before you head off to COP28 as a presence there and on behalf of Eco-Jesuits as well. Can I ask you, this is the 28th COP, and has it delivered, has COP delivered what you would have liked to have seen. Has it got better or got worse down the years?
1: COP has got worse. Things are not improving. And there is too much greenwashing of the whole process, too much technocracy in the whole programme, and we're not addressing the real problems.
0: Now, I'm going to ask you about what those are. Greenwashing, for those who don't know what that is, I'm having a guess at it, but you tell me.
1: It is, for example, when corporations talk of carbon absorption from the atmosphere. We do not have the technology. Yes, maybe it can be built in 20 years. Bottom line, that's too late. We are at this stage in terms of the pledges, in terms of global emissions, For 2030, if we continue this way, we will only be 2% under the 2019 levels at best. We should be 42% below. So we're way back. And this is why we're looking for a commitment to a course correction in adaptation and mitigation.
0: Because that's striking and stark, so too is the temperature. This summer, people noticed that all over the world there were global highs, unspeakable. Ireland was warm, but loads and loads of rain. What's the news about the temperature rise there?
1: In some areas, you will actually get colder weather than before. This is the swing. But overall, you work from the El Nino blocks of what are called 3-4 in the Pacific Ocean. And we are warming up. If you take all of the measurement points around the world that are used to say what the global temperature is, we actually reached 1.5 briefly this year.
0: When oh, so, you warned me about that a while ago, we should not be reaching 1.5. should
1: not. Not at this stage. So, If you press the button and hold it at the worst time this year, that's an idea of how we will get a continuum. The biggest problem is we will lose seasons. We don't understand seasons. We've lost it. Most people, over 52% of the world is now urbanized. We've lost our connection with the land, that flowers bloom three weeks ahead of what they used to do, which is what's happening now in Ireland in some of the springs. It doesn't make any difference to people. They don't show. But you have roses blooming and budding and blooming at this stage in some of the gardens here. So the whole seasonal framework reference, what this is about, the world will continue. But who's going to suffer? The human populations. Remember, the question was, as settled many decades ago, what came first, agriculture or cities? It's very clear that agriculture only came together about 10,000 years ago in the Fertile Crescent because the seasons stabilised. Now, we're going into a period of potential instability if we don't take action now.
0: And you're saying, which is very interesting, the world will survive, but humanity might not.
1: A great part of humanity won't. That's the honest reality of what we're moving into, because food and water is a crisis in many countries already where we're not able to respond. And remember, we add to this some of our own dynamics, like war. Look at Darfur. So many countries. There are 45 conflicts around Middle East, North Africa, Not one in Gaza alone. There are 45. And this one in Gaza can spring up many of the others that are there. In other parts, we have, I think it's 35 in the Asia area. I think what we're recognising now is the smaller incidences are part of a global process we will not be able to stop if we don't start putting the brakes on now.
0: Are you despairing because you've just said that COP is getting worse and this is the big meeting to try and do something globally about it. And it even Pope Francis issued a letter with all his concerns about the ineffectiveness. So what can we do? Are we going to stop?
1: This, as I put it, is probably the worst COP. It's certainly the worst COP We have had so far, not that others in recent years have been much better.
0: Why do you say that? Because it hasn't started yet.
1: It hasn't started, but in COP21, for example, in the Paris Agreement, there was good move and commitment. And we had societies moving that didn't produce their excuses first. We have not met up to the COP commitments of COP21. And that was a struggle. That's 21 years And for more than 21 years before that, we knew this was the problem, but because of misinformation, we did not address it. We know that fossil fuels are the problems, the source of the problem. Fossil fuels, the way we're going about agriculture, particularly livestock, is key. But we have to stop the fossil fuels. We really do need a commitment to a fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty. Now, if that seed is sown, if that is established in this COP, then we're going somewhere. But how do you expect a COP that is run by a corporate executive of one of the biggest fossil fuel companies in the world and a company which has the worst climate-bursting oil plants In the world. And that's fact. That's in their plans. They have greater plans. So, how do we convince people that we have to change this?
0: How do you? I don't know. You're going there. I mean, you're traveling. You've come from the Philippines to Ireland, a long journey to Dubai. What motivates you to keep going?
1: In the process, I too am burning carbon. I have a footprint in what I do. So, I do want this to work. Sometimes, in the mercy of things, that are miracles. This started out on a very poor footing. Pope Francis, as one of, I would say, civil society figures in the world who has integrity, has stepped into this and is saying, I'm speaking for you, you in the margins, the indigenous peoples, the youth. You have to have a voice at this COP that means something. So he has brought a level of integrity that I believe is being respected in the process. to, and he will open a faith pavilion. So this is very much what we need in the COP process. We've sought this for years. It's, a, it's something of an alternative COP where voices can be heard and the political figures can quietly come and listen to what people are saying from the forests from the oceans the oceans are so important in this we're not giving them enough attention at all and the large ocean states of the pacific we're not paying attention to their needs and their disasters so in this cop we have the holy father bringing this voice of the people he has connected at a very critical time socio politically as well with the Muslim leaders, the imams, the elders in the Arab area, and they are joining with him. So they are joining forces as a faith effort to bring about the immediate changes we need. So this pavilion, as it's called, is a forum that will stay with every cop from here on.
0: Wow. And you'll be at that, I presume, maybe giving input yourself?
1: Well, I think our statements have already been prepared on five key issues and there are underlining issues as well in terms of the secrecy of what goes on and the injustice of that. So we're there to consolidate with others. We're there to meet officials representing different countries. Some countries will meet with us. Usually it's from the south. And we will put these concerns that they already know, but we will give witness to the problem. We have to solve this together. We have to come together. We do need the fossil corporations there, but we need them not only buying out sustainable energy corporations and in a sense, closing them down of simmering them on the side, we need them to actually make this transfer in their business. So this is what we're looking for. Now, these COP efforts are not simply, okay, let's go to the next COP. I go to this COP because I've sat down with representatives from the commission, for example, on the Philippines, Government Commission on Climate Change, and talked through with them. And what is their agenda? How are they going to go about it? This is very important. People should be sitting down at the national level and saying, give us your line. Let's see what more we can do about it. What are the transitions we need to make in our own societies? So it's only when you're coming from the local can you then genuinely make a contribution to the global. So I want to meet several other local people and hear their stories and see how we can amplify this. We have to do it together.
0: And I'm struck by what you're saying at the start, that humanity will not survive. And then you said most of humanity won't if we don't tackle this now. That will be the poorest of the poor, won't it? The ones who survive will be the really wealthy.
1: Maybe, and there'll be certain zones. But basically, we will, you know, what comes first? Do we have a climate crash? Do we have a financial crash? Do we have a political crash? And we always seem to be on the verge of all three of them at this stage. Now, what we've got to do, I feel, is sit back on a personal level and really go deep and ask, do I value my life? Do I value my children's life? Okay. now, what are the changes? I can go out with others because we can't change this alone. I can segregate my garbage. But if the garbage collector doesn't want to work with it, he'll dump it all together.
0: As we've heard recently in Ireland, the guy who put a tracker in his bin, his recycling bin, and it ended up in the incinerator.
1: Yes. So this is what we've got to do. We've got to get much more serious about it. We have to cut our energy and we have to put our energy in other areas with community. I think the only way out of this is with community. What we need in this is also land restoration. It's one of the biggest problems that's crept in with industrial agriculture. We just have too many chemicals on the land, NPK. NP is soaking into our rivers, causing eutrophication, changing the biodiversity, everything else in the sustainability of our water. We're also using a lot of chemicals like Roundup glyphosate, which are highly poisonous and get into food chains. So with nanoplastics, we have a thousand things, 10,000 things we actually have to track and measure. We have to get going on this. Now, if we take a certain reflection in our own life. If we're able to carry that through in some community processes, you have some very good groups here. There are efforts with the green schools. There are efforts with Echo Merit. You're having this done on the compound. Yeah. This is tremendous. Yeah. We have to... See the value in change in our own lifestyles, make our lives a little easier, because there are an awful lot of people out there having a very tough time. And we have to include everyone.
0: It's difficult. You're going there. You're not despairing.
1: No. You know, I spend the rest of my year with all the problems that are in the world. I spend the rest of my year working with the youth. Actually, they're indigenous youth in the mountains of the Philippines. We have a lot of problems in the Philippines, but the youth give me hope. The youth have an integrity and want to follow through on the changes that they see. We need everyone. My generation has made a very bad job of it, but it cannot escape. It has to work for the change. But with the youth, we need all generations in this. Hope is about not necessarily having the answers, but it's about really gut feeling, yet believing that that change is possible.
0: And you see that on the land with those young people because they're farming in a really sustainable way, aren't they?
1: They're farming and we're regenerating, we're assisting the natural regeneration of the landscape. This is very important. This is where the natural regulations on water flow, infiltration, biodiversity, the nature of the soil, we've destroyed our soils in much of the country. They can't grow crops anymore. They're just a physical hold for whatever we plant, and then add the fertilizers. That has to go. So the youth are really teaming up to make that difference. But we need an awful lot more effort understanding the youth and giving them support to build these practices. So I have one program on forest restoration. We're dealing with 50 hectares of indigenous land with planting trees of... 20 different species that form, they're the pillar species, they form the structure of the forest. And this is supported by people also, organizations in Europe. We have land restoration in the very degraded, eroded lands. We're trying to do organic farming on, so we're building up the compost of the soil and the micro life of the soil. And then we have different training programs for the youth themselves so that they can have a sense of belonging. What's very important in this whole nurturing of hope and truth is a sense of belonging and knowing where you're coming from, even if you relocate.
0: We wish you all the best with that, Pedro. Good luck at COP28 and look forward to catching up with you sometime after that.
1: We really do have to keep trying. Keep pushing, but draw enough energy from the land where you already live, the land that nourishes you, and understand that we too must nourish life.